This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Nally. Our guest this week is Senate Ag Ranking Member John Bozeman. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by NCIS, the National Crop Insurance Services. Crop insurance, the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. AgriPulse Open Mic continues with Arkansas U.S. Senator John Bozeman next. Today's Open Mic segment is brought to you by America's crop insurance industry, which is thankful for the continued support of farmers, commodity organizations, rural businesses, lenders, and lawmakers who are fighting to maintain a strong farm safety net. Providing individualized protection on more than 311 million acres of farmland, crop insurance remains the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. U.S. Senator John Bozeman is very concerned about the price tag of a reconciliation bill now being drafted by the administration and congressional majority and the procedure being used to craft tax code changes and budget allocations. The Arkansas senator isn't pleased with the political process. Here we are, we're not debating $135 billion worth of spending in agriculture. It's the first time in 40 years uh, that, that this has happened. And in the past, you've had situations like this, reconciliation, uh, other forms, packages, but always you've had votes, you've had Democrats and Republicans working together as you push these things forward. Now, though, we're in a situation where there's been no input from any Republican and really, I think, very little input from most Democrats. This is coming from the administration. They passed a $25 billion package earlier in the year, $1.9 trillion, massive amount of spending, and there was not an amendment to the bill. So these are being held very closely, and uh, as a result of that, uh, as we, as Republicans, we've had no input at all. You know, agriculture, and we're so proud of this. We passed a, an ag bill last time with a record number of votes. That didn't just happen. That was a lot of work from people like yourself getting information out, the stakeholders, the different different regions of the countries, the eyes, the Illinois, Iowa, Indiana, uh, places like that, the Great Plains, California, uh, the South weighing in, the different commodities coming together, the university systems, all that it takes to encompass uh, agriculture. And you have this great discussion, and then you figure out not not in a partisan way, you figure out how you can make all of that so that it's not a one-size-fits-all. What we're seeing now is totally different than that. It's, it's simply, you know, here, Ag Committee, you've got $135 billion. You know, here's how we want you to spend it. Rubber stamp it, and that's where we're at right now. Can the nation afford $3.5 trillion in new spending, and, and do the items that are included warrant going that much deeper in debt? I don't think we can afford it at all. Even economists uh, on the Democrat side are, are saying the same thing. The number one thing I hear about as I go across the state, and I'm across it as much as anybody, is labor. Now, right in there with it is inflation. We're seeing significant inflation, and we're really seeing a lot more amongst the, you know, the folks that are out there working so hard. We don't measure inflation in a good way, and we underreport it. 
inflation is actually much more than than what the government statistics are. And so that's a huge issue. You can't tell me. You dump three and a half trillion dollars, and some people say this is up to four point two trillion dollars. You dump that into the economy, and that's going to be very, very inflationary going forward. How does the debate, or at least the procedure of this debate, will it affect the upcoming debt ceiling question before the country? Well, I think it all goes together in the sense that in the last Congress, we spent $4 trillion. Almost all of that was done in the Senate by unanimous consent. It was Democrats and Republicans working together. Now we're in a situation where they've spent $1.9 trillion. A lot of that doesn't even get to, to spent till 2023. It doesn't have anything to do with COVID, even though it's pushed in that direction. So you spent that amount of money. Now you're coming back and spending three and a half, four trillion dollars. Uh, Republicans are saying, "Hey, you know, we're not going to put our names on the line with this massive amount of spending when we've not been part of the process at all." On the twenty-five billion dollars that was spent on agriculture, uh, I, I had no idea what was going. On. I still don't because what they're doing is. They're, they're, it's very, very broad. What they're, they are taking and increasing the various categories have totally reopened the farm bill, which we've always said is sacrosanct that you don't do. But they've increased these categories and just pushing huge amounts of money in there. And what that's going to become is a slush fund for the Secretary of Agriculture to use as he, as he desires. So uh, the process is terrible. And as a result, you're absolutely right. This is going to make it such where uh, it's going to be very difficult uh, to find any Republicans to vote for the increase in the debt ceiling. The $3.5 trillion plan is not, and it doesn't include the previous $1 trillion infrastructure plan. So from a procedural aspect, how do you favor the one and challenge the other, Senator? Well, I didn't. I voted against the uh, the the 1.2 trillion dollars on infrastructure, and it's really interesting. I've been a, a member of the Environment and Public Works Committee since I was in the Senate. I was a member of the Transportation and the Senate, uh, the Transportation Committee in the House. I, I think I've been a a member for the last 19 years on all of the conference committees as we've conferenced transportation bills. So I, I'm very very in favor of spending dollars on transportation, but that needs to be roads, railroads, runways, broadband we have to include, and we are pushing out a lot of money in that regard, so important for rural America, and and water. But all of this extraneous stuff, uh, you know, the charging stations, the this and that, I'm, I'm just not in favor of that. And so that's why I opposed it, even though in the Environment and Public Works Committee, The underlying bill of the transportation uh, package, uh, we voted that out, which had to do with the reauthorization of the highway trust fund. Uh, Again, roads, railroads, runways, things like that. Uh, We voted that out 20 to nothing in a unanimous form. So I'm very much in favor of infrastructure, but I'm not in favor of the bill that was proposed because it spends way too much money. Congresswoman Bustos uh, told me at the Farm Progress show she didn't think the final bill would be $3.5 trillion, and that there were moderates in the House that might have a, a thing to say about that. Representative Costa of California said he didn't want to vote for a bill that wouldn't pass the Senate. 
in the Senate, Senator Manchin had suggested he's not necessarily in favor of three and a half trillion dollars in spending. There's still a long way to go to get this uh, this particular bill across the the end line. What do you see, and and where would that debate come that might clip the wings of the the size of this package? You know, I, I really don't know what's going to happen. I hope that, as Senator Manchin has suggested, that they just back off, that they, you know, look at all that's going on in the world, look at all that's going on in our country. Uh, we've got labor issues. We've got inflation is- issues. The list goes on and on. And let's start working together again to solve those problems. But uh, so far that hasn't happened uh, I think a lot of them, a lot on the other side, the Democrats are getting nervous. You have this deal where they marked up uh, in the House and uh, still haven't decided on the conservation part, the $28 billion that are missing. And so it looks like they're just going to dump that in there, um, you know, as they vote. I mean, how do you, how, how can you as a member vote in good conscience on, on things that, that just literally, $28 billion is a huge amount of money in the agriculture world. Uh, what are they going to do with that money? Uh, another issue is the Civilian Climate Corps. Uh, part of that is designated in ag, but, but the whole package for that is $30 billion. I mean, what are these people going to be doing? I have a right as the ranking member on agriculture to understand that. Somebody needs to brief me. So I don't know if uh, the Senate Ag Committee on the Democrat side has been meeting and discussing these things, uh, but I don't have a clue. And I don't know anybody, uh, I don't know any any uh, Republican that has a clue. And to be honest, I've asked my Democratic colleagues about this. They don't have a clue either. These are just massive amounts of money that are being put uh, under different program headings. But that's about all there is to it. Chairwoman Stabenow of the Agriculture Committee did call earlier for $50 billion uh, in additional conservation program funds to help uh, adopt and move toward climate smart programs. This bill from the House has $28 billion. Is it enough? Have you and the chairwoman talked about that particular volume and how you would appropriate those dollars? We haven't talked about anything in that regard. I don't know where she got the, the dollar figure that she got. I've, I've seen no, no infor, information regarding that. I don't know. Conservation is such a broad aspect of agriculture. I don't know if these are dollars. They, they've talked about this 30 by 30 that President Biden has put in in place through administrative power, uh, 30% of the land and 30% of the water being set aside by the year 2030. That's a very aggressive statement, a very aggressive posture. Is this dollars that's going to go towards that? I, I mean, there, there's, no, there's no basis at all for these dollar figures. We, we don't have any information, and the best I can tell, they don't either. They're just putting these dollar figures, these massive dollar figures into uh, these accounts. And I think at the end of the day, the, the Secretary of, of Agriculture, uh, after after getting uh, the message from the administration, who's ever running the place over there, uh, is going to do whatever they tell him regarding, uh, you know, divvying up the dollars. 
so with regard to taxes, it was said that the proposal was moving now away from the elimination of stepped-up basis, but still plenty of question about corporate tax rates or other changes that might fall on estate or inheritance taxes. It appears it could be six of one, half a dozen of the other, about policy that would uh, get in the way of transferring farms and small businesses from one generation to the next. Yeah, I'm very concerned about it. And, uh, you know, uh, people like yourself that, that have uh, explored this, you know, gotten information about it, have done a good job. I think Republicans have done a good job sounding the alarm. And uh, I'm very concerned about the tax policy, not only on the stepped-up basis, but also lowering, lowering the threshold on the inheritance tax. And what that will do, uh, especially with this inflation that we're seeing right now and, and uh you know, my understanding is that, that that's not necessarily going to go away anytime soon. So you're seeing tremendous increase in land values right now and just assets in general. And so because of that, uh, that all of that feeds into this, uh, you know, these, these owners potential inheritance taxes. Minority Leader McConnell suggested that the tax proposals were a paradigm shift from taxing income to taxing wealth. Would you concur? No, I agree with that totally, and uh, they don't like inherited wealth at all. And, and but but you know, there's they simply I don't know if they understand or not, but but you and I understand that you can have a a working farm. You know, you put your life savings into it. You, you it is your four hundred one k. It's your pension plan. It's your Saturdays. It's your weekends. It's everything you got. And uh, the idea of then coming back and, and doing something like stepped-up basis as you try to, you know, to pass that along. Or, you know, maybe you just decide, hey, I'm, I'm old, I'm a senior, I, you know, I'm worn out, I want to sell this place. And then the idea of, uh, you know, early on the suggestion of doubling capital gains and, uh, you know, getting 40%. 3.7% for Medicare, and then in Arkansas, another 5.9%. You're at the 50% bracket. I mean, so these are very, very onerous changes that they're talking about. And the good news is I think that the uh, the agriculture community is starting to understand that. Senator, on the House Ag Committee, of the $66 billion that was proposed, are there particular areas in there that you could support and I recall a statement that you made last week suggesting that animal ag was left out in the cold. Yeah, I, my understanding is when you look at all of the, the legislative text, uh, animal's not mentioned. Uh, so, you know, we're in a situation where half of agriculture is not represented at all. Now, theoretically, you could have a quip, you know, some of the conservation programs perhaps beefed up and, and they could benefit from that. But I don't know. I mean, I don't. The best I can tell in my reading the legislative text, and I'm pretty good at doing that. My staff is excellent at doing it. Uh, there's no mention of animals, and, and that's really troubling in the sense that uh, it is such a vital part of agriculture. And, you know, we look at uh, what's happened with swine flu and things overseas, the, the devastating impact, the things that we need to do, be doing a better job of right now protecting our animal agriculture. And animal agriculture isn't just livestock and, and things like that. You know, it's uh, the rest of agriculture depends on it too. All of this is totally entwined, but the best I can tell, it's been left out. 
Senator, you were able to amend Senate language that would have challenged the use of fossil fuels in the nation's power plants. From the information that I see, still 62% of our electricity comes from fossil fuels. So how would this have proposal have affected the nation's energy supply and would have affected the prices that com- the consumers pay for electricity? Yeah, it would have, it, it would affect dramatically. And I did my, uh, you know, uh, every year I do an ag tour. I've just come off of that. We spend uh, at least, uh, you know, 10 days or so traveling the state, talking to our producers. But, uh, you know, certainly electricity in rural America is so important. Cheap electricity for the little manufacturing that we've got left there so that we can p- compete overseas. And then for our producers out, uh, you know, needing the electricity, cheap electricity that they have. So many of the uh, coal-fired plants and uh, natural gas plants are in rural America. So those are the ones that would be taken offline. And then what you'd what happen is they would be replaced with much, much, much more expensive alternatives. And, uh, you know, that's, that's just money that goes away. You know, you've got, you're using the same amount of electricity and all of a sudden the, the price is not increased but significantly increased. Then your inputs are going to go up, input costs are going to grow up, go up dramatically as well as just the, the cost of living that, that you as a family do. So, uh, rural America is under attack right now. In Arkansas, we have 75 counties, 55 of them lost population. And so as a result, they'll get less turn back dollars. You know, you start this downward cycle. And I would say that that's very representative of the entire country. So uh, th- that's why this is so important. It's, this is about agriculture, but it's also about the foundation of rural America more than at any other time in our nation's history. Senator, this is a bigger picture question and probably one more of a telescope than a microscope. But how is debate on a new farm bill? and even available funds for farm programs and risk management tools being affected by the current spending plans and the procedures that you're seeing in the Congress now? Well, one of the things that, that, that I've, you know, in being part of the Ag Committee, I've been so proud that we've worked in a, in a bipartisan way. Again, more, you know, regional, more commodities, things like that, than Republicans and Democrats. And so now we're in a situation where all that's been thrown out the window. And the Senate government is really runs by precedent. So one of the things that's always been sacrosanct is we don't open the farm bill. We, we have stuck together as a committee, both in the House and the Senate. We beat back when they tried to write it for transportation and everything else you can imagine periodically. We said, no, we're not going to go there. Now... We're dramatically, uh, you know, opening it in the name of climate. And so my concern is, is that this is going to be the way you do things. You know, you don't have farm bills. You do reconciliation packages and you just write things the way you want to. And it comes straight out of the administration and, and, uh, House and Senate leadership a little bit. And that would be a terrible precedent. Certainly that's not the way, you know, that, that I'm going to operate if I have the opportunity to become chairman. These are big things. You know, these are far-reaching things that, that not only are we dealing with this now, but I think it has implications for the future. 
the idea that you don't have the different farm organizations sometimes complaining about you know whatever we're talking about uh, the different regions of the country hashing these things out with their members uh, when you're talking about now 135 billion dollars is truly amazing so how much from your perspective now do you believe that climate will be a part of new farm programs because i have to believe that the producers haven't changed their mind that risk management tools are still their top priority but you may find the priority of the nation is toward climate is it an either or or do you see a change in these programs coming well i don't know it's going to be the primary you know the priority of the the nation We've got a 50-50 Senate, and I think the, the House is controlled by three or four members. We're, we're a split country. My concern is is that they will try and hook crop insurance and our very other safety nets that we've got in place uh, somehow to climb it. You know, what they're trying to do is make it such that, that they basically are going to be telling us what you plant, when you plant it, how you plant it, all of those kind of things. And Waters of the U.S. comes into play with all of this. So all climate, climate, climate. And then you're going to have the civilian uh, conservation police running around policing all this stuff. So uh, this this is really very, very far-reaching. And uh, I, I think the good news is I think the farm community is starting to push back and understand exactly what's going on. And, uh, you know, I hope that's the case and that we can start blocking some of this stuff. Senator, can this Congress, as partisan as it has become, and this administration, in this climate, can you deal with labor issues for the nation? Labor issues are really difficult. And, and uh, you know, we had the perhaps the strongest economy we've had in 50 years prior to the pandemic, and, and labor was tight. But not anything like this. And the first thing that, as I sit down with any group in Arkansas, whether I'm in the largest city in the state or the smallest, you know, community, it's labor, labor, labor. So we've got to get it figured out, and uh, hopefully we can come together and and uh, uh, put some incentives to get people back to work, uh, because this this really is the thing that is holding us back. We got two problems going on that we have to solve: is the labor issue and the supply chain issue, and they're entwined to some degree. You know, part of the supply chain problem is the lack of labor. Labor and the supply chain, we, we simply have to get those things figured out so that we can uh, get our economy back on track. Senator Bozeman, we want to thank you for taking time out of your schedule to be with us, to share your opinion and certainly the view of the minority side of the aisle. This is Open Mike. You've been here before, and today, Senator, you have the last word. No, thank you so much for for having me. And, and you know, we've, we've talked about a lot of issues that are, you know, it's just, it's just uh, you know, we've got some opportunities, some challenges that we're facing. On the other hand, uh, as I mentioned earlier, I just got off my egg tour. And to be out with, you know, the, the, the farm families of America, seeing the ingenuity that they have in adapting uh, different practices, <clears throat> a lot of them now are adapting to taking advantage of the uh, opportunities that you have selling locally. The list goes on and on. But you see these people, and, the, you know, they're, they're – they're just working so hard, trying to take care of their families. You know, they're, they're people of faith. And it really does just, uh, it makes you know, you know, that we're going to be fine. We're going to work through our problems. That that's really the greatness of, 
America is uh, our farm families and, and rural America. Our thanks to Arkansas Senator and ranking member on the Senate Ag Committee, John Bozeman, our guest this week on Open Mic. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by NCIS, the National Crop Insurance Services. Crop insurance, the smartest or most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. For AgriPulse, I'm Jeff Dalley.